0: Is your internet keeping up? It's
1: time to upgrade your home with Verizon Home Internet with plans starting at just $25 a month and leave surprise price hikes and hidden fees behind. Get fast and reliable internet for an incredible price with Verizon. Ditch cable and switch to Verizon Home Internet starting at $25 a month with AutoPay and select 5G mobile plans. Availability varies. Plans start at $25 a month when combined with existing select 5G mobile plans and auto pay and paper-free billing. Fios requires mobile and home discount enrollment. $99 Fios setup charge may apply. Visit verizon.com slash home to learn more about 5G home, LTE home, and Fios.
0: Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. I am Charlie Romeliotis. James Naveau is with me. James, we got a new sponsor. Uh, we are in the virtual podcast studio powered by PointsBet, although I'm in studio, you're virtual, so it's kind of half and half. We got the, the virtual podcast studio powered by PointsBet, um, but also the NBC Sports Chicago studio powered by PointsBet, which is to my right. James... <laughs> I'm glad you're here because I need you to kind of keep me in line today because I'm on two and a half hours of sleep. I took a a 6 a.m. flight out of New York this morning, and I don't know if I'm coherent right now. So if I say anything on this podcast that makes me sound like an idiot, uh, please keep me in check. Will you do that for me? That's a really tall order for a person like me, but I will try my best for sure. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Before we get into the trade deadline stuff, um, obviously, we're going to talk about the moves and we're going to grade what uh, Kyle Davidson has done leading up to this trade deadline. We'll give him a letter grade. I first want to talk about, uh, Patrick Kane's New York Rangers debut. He obviously had the, um, the press conference in New York wearing New York Ranger blue, all the attire, the hat. It was very weird, James. I'll throw it over to you first. What did you think of his debut? did it kind of hit you that the fi- the trade is finally official when you actually saw him in Ranger blue because that's when it really was like man this is this is weird <laughs>
1: yeah we're in a whole new world now and i think that uh just i think like the build up to the trade maybe help it helps soften the blow just a little bit like there wasn't quite the Um, speaking from a news perspective, there wasn't quite the level of like sheer panic that there normally is in our newsroom. And granted, that's because, you know, it happened on election day and there was some other stuff going on, but I definitely thought that, just the long kind of drawn out nature and kind of the foregone conclusion that it was that he was going to be sent to the New York Rangers, I think kind of helped both as a fan as, and as a reporter to kind of like start to settle that reality into my head a little bit. And then seeing him in the Ranger colors after the morning skate on Thursday with the videos that you guys uh, submitted from New York, and then seeing him out on the ice for that game, it definitely kept was probably the final nail. I think that like I kind of had made peace with, kane moving like last weekend it had been something i had thought about a lot just the fact that he was not with the team looked very likely at that point he was gonna go um i think that it's it's going to be weird, I think, seeing him in that Rangers jersey for a little while. It's going to be even stranger when we go into next season and he's got his new full time home. If it's not in Chicago, which obviously I'm kind of, you know, doubting that's going to happen, but it's that I think is going to be like kind of the ultimate thing where you're literally starting a season without Patrick Kane. I think that that's going to be perhaps even more interesting than just the jarring sight of seeing him in Ranger blue, anyway.
0: Yeah, it was weird because. I was covering it from Patrick Kane's perspective and what he's going through new life for him in New York and then while I was at Madison Square Garden watching the game I'm seeing the the Blackhawks beat writers tweeting out how weird it felt in Chicago or at the United Center knowing that Patrick Kane is no longer here like he doesn't have a locker room stall he's not you know even fans I'm sure a ton of fans probably bought tickets for Thursday's game, thinking that that was going to be the last game they could see Patrick Kane potentially before Friday's deadline. And it just, I'm sure it was a really weird atmosphere at the United Center. Um, And it was just as weird for me going through the entire day on Thursday, basically following Patrick Kane around and just documenting the journey. And it started at morning skate. So it was the second of a back-to-back, just kind of framing this and putting it into perspective, it was the second of a back-to-back, which means that there really is no more. There's there's no morning skate. Really, the only players that skate are the scratches, um, but th- the media really isn't uh, invited to to go. It's just kind of like the coach will speak two and a half hours before uh, puck drop. Right. So we go, obviously, because Patrick Kane has not played in eight days. So we go to the morning skate. He's one of the three people on the ice. Keandre Miller and Igor Shesterkin were the other two and just seeing him it was it was funny cuz he was in red. It was just like decked out all red. So that part wasn't different, but he was wearing a blue helmet. So that was a little <laughs> weird. Um and and then he, he he sits down at the press conference and he looks like he's kind of like excited, right? Like he 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 this is his new life. But at the end of the game, actually I don't even want to get to the end of the game first. I want to go through the game, sure. watching him in warm-ups, watching him during the game. James, I got to be honest with you. He, he looked really nervous. He looked out of his comfort zone and which is normal. I was watching him closely in warmups and everything was different for him. It's, he wasn't, uh, you know how he has like his routine where he goes into his face off circle and he's doing all that. And then he goes to the equipment managers and he's asking for the tape. And in Chicago, all of that is second nature, but in New York, he was going going up to the equipment manager and they were like, Hey, what do you need? And he's like I, pointing to the tape. Like I need the tape so I can put on my <laughs> stick. Right. And you know, it's just, everything was different for him. And he was fumbling the puck a lot in warmups. And I'm like, man, his nerves are, are really high right now. Um, and I could just feel for him. And at the end of the game, when we talked to him post game, he, he looked mentally drained. Like, it, yeah. like it was a lot for him. Okay. And it's just, it was crazy to see from a different perspective where Kane was He's so uh he's such an icon here in Chicago. Uh but he in New York it, for his first game, he was just trying to blend in, right? Like I saw him on the bench and he wasn't really talking much to any of the teammates. He wasn't really vocal and I think he was just like he realizes this is not my team. I'm here to just kind of blend in right now at least for the short term. As the the weeks go on, I'm sure he'll get more comfortable, but the one thing that did stand out to me James was really funny is I noticed that on the PowerPoint, he was on the first PowerPoint unit. He, he got off. He was like one of the first guys off the ice when his unit was supposed to go to the bench. And in Chicago, it was quite different. He was the sure. guy that was hovering around and he was going into the second unit. He was the guy that they were throwing out there on, on late in game. So it was just, it was a really weird experience following him. And I'm sure it was just as weird for Chicago that, The fans that were at the game on Thursday at the United Center knowing that while we're in the post. Kane era yeah. right now well we had
1: everybody but literally like I think half of Blackhawks Twitter it felt like last night was solely discussing Patrick Kane's game with the Rangers like it was almost like there would been this weird reversal and suddenly we were in New York right it was all about you know what was happening on Broadway and there was all this attention on every single shift he took I mean you mentioned kind of how different the entire atmosphere was to him I mean how often do you have a guy get a standing ovation when he comes out for warm-up like that just does not happen, you know, in the NHL very often. And then you, I think it was you who alluded to this on Twitter. You mentioned that our Panarin was the last guy off the ice uh, last night in New York before warmups. And that's usually what Kane did in Chicago. And he was asked about it and he said, it's not my team. So yeah. I was like, well, clearly you're on the right track when you say like, that's kind of how he's approaching this. Like he knows that he's. The hired gun he knows that there's only one thing that he needs to be focused on right now that's learning the system that's blending in that's producing points that's ultimately trying to help the rangers win a stanley cup that they haven't won in what almost 30 years now so i think that by the way that makes me feel really old That <laughs> that 1994 stanley cup is now 29 years in the rearview mirror but anyway um it, it's it, it's very clear that he's he understands the role. This is, of course, a new experience for him. He's not used to being, you know, the new guy on the block. That dude's been in Chicago for more than half of his life, and or basically half of his life at this point. And it's it's a whole new experience for him. And I I definitely I was heartened a little bit, I think, by the way uh, Vlad Tarasenko played last night for the Rangers. It's a good reminder that As you get into the swing of things, when you're a really talented player like those guys are, you eventually start to kind of find your rhythm. You start to find the open spots again. Kane's playing with some really talented line mates. He's going to get those opportunities. The focus isn't going to be exclusively on him the way it was at times in Chicago, especially this season. And just to kind of put one final thought on that, that comfort level for Tarasenko, that goal that he scored last night was Ooh. flipping sick. Dude. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. So I think that. I get the sense Kane's going to settle in. He's, of course, a professional. He knows the deal. We've seen how well he's played the last few weeks leading up to this trade deadline. I think once he chips that rust off and once he kind of starts to find that role, I think that undoubtedly he's going to settle in. I've got no worries about that. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right where I think there was partly a nervousness to it, but I also think there was an appreciation of basically what his role is going to be in New York. I think that he already gets it.
0: Yeah. And I think there was a little, I shouldn't even say a little bit. I think there was a lot of bit of hum, uh, humility too, where he he knows that he's going to come into this Rangers locker room, but he's not going to be like, all right, I'm here, Patrick Kane. I'm going to take over this room. You know, he, he was, he, he was very, he just kind of laid in the weeds, you know, on the bench, you know, how if there's like a bad call in Chicago, Kane's the one Kane's, the vocal guy on the bench or Kane's the vocal guy on the ice going up to referees and saying, Hey, what did you see there? Why? It, yep. With the Rangers, he can't really do that right now because he's not part of the, the leadership group yet. Um, not saying he's going to get an A, but he, he's not. He's Why doesn't kinda... Artemi Panarin
1: have an A? That's so
0: weird. I didn't even realize that. Wait, time out. You don't know this. They have like n- nine alternate captains.
1: <laughs> Clearly, I have not been following New York Ranger hockey very closely into this point. I was just very surprised that, you know, the umpteen bajillion dollar man did not have an A on his jersey. <laughs>
0: Hey, you also mentioned uh, last one off the ice for warmups. Patrick Kane has been the last guy off the ice for warmups for his team since 2015. The last time he did not leave the ice last was February 24th, 2015. Do you know what happened that day?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he broke his collarbone. That broke day. his
0: collarbone. So when he didn't leave the ice last... I was like, oh man. I mean, I don't know if it was subconscious, it was psychological for him that he was like, man, I-. but he, that it goes back to what I'm saying too about the humility. He was like, no, this is Panarin's team. And, you know, he wasn't being, um, you know, he wasn't being arrogant or. I didn't think right. he was being glib.
1: No, I thought he was being very like forthright. For
0: right. Sure. He was being very, um, yeah, he was be- just showing some humbleness and saying, and he said it obviously with a smile on his face too. So, yeah, just a weird experience. Um, I hope the fans that, were following along on Twitter. There were some that were like, "Can you move on, Charlie? Like this is ridiculous now. Like he's not a hawk anymore." And I'm just like, "Man, isn't this the content you guys want?" I mean, I don't know. So I'm glad. Um, I'm glad most fans appreciated it. Uh, let's get into the the trade deadline moves uh, for for the Blackhawks. We're not going to go into all of them specifically, I just sure. want to get, what, what are your overall thought? Yeah. Cause there were, Oh, by the way, James, I realized this on my drive. I'm, I'm driving in. Do you remember a few weeks ago on the podcast, we set the over under for players traded on the Blackhawks at four and a half. Yes. I think at the time we said four and yeah. on the next podcast, I think both of us Uh, changed it, and we said five. Yes, I I seem to recall that, yeah. Do you know how many players it ended up being that got shipped out of Chicago?
1: So it was Johnson, Lafferty, Uh McCabe, Kane,
0: Domi. Was it exactly five? It was five, man. My goodness. It was five. We set the over under at four and a half. Now, obviously, that does not include... The Blackhawks bringing in Nikita Zaitsev and bringing in Anders Bjork and all those players. Uh, I think we at the time we said it as players traded out of Chicago. Um, I'm not really including the, some of the HL guys that got. You're not including now. Dylan Secura and guys like that. Yeah, no, not Josiah Slave. I was more so NHL roster. So, sure. James. I think I think we nailed it because I think we all I think we changed to five after feeling like one of Kane and Taves were going to go. Right. And we felt yeah. like right, at the time we were like, okay, Kane is Kane and Taves. They're obviously the wild card.
1: I thought maybe it was the, we kind of had convinced ourselves like whether Max Domi was going to go too, because there had been all the narratives about him potentially signing an extension with the team and kind of sticking around after. And then we kind of went back and forth. I think on him, we wondered if there was a market on uh, Athanasiu who did not end up moving. So mm-hmm. I think there were definitely some question marks that kind of put that uh, over under in some jeopardy. But there you go. That's why the Charlie rameliotis gets the uh, big bucks as the insider. And I get to write up Max Domi trades when he's uh, parading around the Big Apple.
0: No, come on. You changed to five, two. We, we, we both <laughs> got that one right. You dragged me kicking and screaming onto your side of the debate. <laughs> what, what grade would you give Kyle Davidson? I'm looking at cap friendly right now. They have 9000 draft picks over the next Three 19 years. picks in the first three rounds when you combine
1: the next three drafts 19 charlie they've that's got crazy. so much draft capital i think they have i want to say it's six first round picks could be seven if the rangers make the conference final this year mm-hmm. and then they've got i think it's i want to say it's eight second round picks like that yep. is that's bonkers dude i yeah. i think that's I kept, I went back and forth because obviously the Kane trade is so hard to kind of grade because it wasn't a situation where the Blackhawks really, they had no control over any of that. Like they couldn't have said to the Rangers, oh, you're only going to give us like a second round pick. Well, screw you guys. Like we're not doing it. Like they made it clear from the jump. They wanted to do right by Patrick Kane and they did not want to refuse a deal, you know, based on basically anything. So That one aside, I think that I want to say like a B minus to a C plus is probably fair for Davidson. I think there were some other deals made in the market that I thought maybe yielded bigger returns. I think the Blackhawks maybe were, I'm theorizing here, they may have been victimized a little bit by the, the, the fact they were trying to, I think, spread draft picks out just a little bit. I know that there was a lot of clucking about the Blackhawks getting a second round pick from the Stars in 2025 for Max Domi, and they had to take on the uh, Q Dobin contract from Dallas. Like, I thought that that was kind of interesting that, you know, to make that work, they obviously had to absorb that money and send him down to Rockford. I think, though, that they're definitely keeping a very close eye on that 50 contract limit. I think they wanted to make sure that they weren't just going to have all their draft picks in 2023. And it also gives them some flexibility to move around in coming drafts. And I think that that's going to ultimately be really important if they want to position themselves to take specific players. So I think that that B minus range or so, I thought there was maybe a little bit more they could have done. The Jake McCabe trade, I almost thought maybe they gave up too much to get what they got from Toronto. Like the fact they had to absorb money and they gave up Sam Lafferty. Like I thought maybe that return could have been slightly better, but I think probably that B minus
0: range is what I'm looking at. So I just realized I forgot to do our little sponsor read before I transition to our topic. So I'm going to throw this in right here right now. You could win big with NBC Sports Chicago and Coors Light. Just enter the scratch and score sweepstakes for your chance to win two sweet tickets to a hockey game this season. and More, enter at NBCSportsChicago.com slash sweepstakes. Okay, now we got that out of the way with James. I'm glad that you, you mentioned the contract limit because I think a lot of fans are... We're wondering why Kyle Davidson decided to kind of spread out some of these draft picks and not just load up on this year's draft uh, draft class because it is a strong class, right? And I think you you nailed it right there too. I, I think you have to be careful when it comes to uh, the the fixed uh, fifty maximum contract limit because you don't want at some point you're going to have to sign m- most of those guys, and if you don't have uh, room for all of them, then you're basically trying to finagle some roster moves to, to try to fit that all in. But I actually asked Kyle Davidson specifically about this today. And I actually really liked his response uh, pulling it up right now. He says it was important because we want to spread our draft capital. We want the talent the talent to come in waves. We don't want one hit in one draft or one or two drafts. We want multiple drafts and to keep that talent coming through the ranks. And then additionally, those draft picks and 2025 and 2026 they're only going to get more valuable as we move forward Mm. and it gives us options in two to three years when we see how the players that are already in the system this is what I really liked he said in two or three years when we see how the players that are already in the system or that they've already drafted have developed and where they are at and where we might place them in a future roster we're able to assess the gaps that we may have a little more efficiently and then and then those picks in 2025 and 2026 whether we make those picks is a different story but we can use those picks to look at acquiring some players that fill those gaps that may arise along the way through the holes in our development. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um you know, obviously you look at the Blackhawks have two first round picks this year. They have a boatload of second round picks that they could potentially package and trade into the first round. But you also look at the fact that the Blackhawks are coming off a draft class that they just had three first round picks to Korchinski, Frank Nazar and Sam Renzel. So if those players are developing at a pretty good clip and some of those second round, the Ryan Greens, um, the Gavin Hayes, those guys are are progressing as well. And Samuel to Savoy, have, too. You cannot yeah. forget about that, dude. I brought him up to somebody
1: the other day. I was like that essentially functioned like an earlier pick because of how quickly
0: he's kind of ascending the charts. Yeah. And so if all of those players are progressing pretty nicely and you feel like, okay, we got a top pairing defenseman in Korchinski, we got a top six center uh, in Frank Nazar. They they might feel like they have a, a pretty good project in Sam Renzel who could be a player in a couple of years. If they get a top three pick this year, which is looking likely, that player is going to also likely be a top six forward. So then you're starting to fill out your roster and you're like, okay, we got the top six. We got the two centers we got the number one defenseman, you know, we got this and then when you get to 2025, 2026 or even 2024, you can actually see how how it's you know, things are progressing. So, would they have liked to get a 2023 first rounder for McCabe Lafferty? Yeah, probably, but here's what I will say. In, in that Toronto deal specifically, the the I believe the 2024 first rounder is uh top 10 protected and then it shifts to uh, 2026, if it is, oh, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a 2025 top yeah. 10 protected. If it is a top 10 pick, it shifts to a first rounder in 2026. What happens James, if, if Austin Matthews walks and John Tavares is no longer there and Toronto is not a great hockey team in 2026. Now that's an unprotected first round pick that the Blackhawks might have, you know, just, just because of that, because of that deal. So I, I don't hate it. Uh, But I'm sure they would have liked to get a a 22 23 first round pick, but ultimately, I guess where I'm going with this, I I think my, I I think I'm in the same range. I I think I'm in the B range for, for Kyle Davidson for this draft. I think his hands were tied with the Patrick Kane stuff. I think the max Domi, I probably would have liked to maybe see that return like a second and a third or a second and a fourth, but the fact that it was just a second. Because they did take on Anton Kudobin's contract, too. So it felt like they were doing Dallas a favor.
1: Yeah, Dallas Um, had like very little to offer them because they had so little cap space. It was like, we're really doing you a solid here. Like, I felt like more than a second round pick would have been, I think, probably
0: preferred at that rate. Right. And maybe Dallas's perspective was you take the Kudobin contract and don't retain salary on Domi as opposed to We'll take Domi at a salary retention, but Q, we'll keep Q But you know? So maybe that was maybe the, the compromise, mm. uh, but you know, yeah. So all in all, I think, I think a B is a, is a fair, is a fair grade. Um, and honestly, it's, it's, it's not terrible. I mean, you look at cat friendly, it's like, it, it, I'm sure I'm sure that the Blackhawks had scouts and, and the scouting departments. They're, they're salivating at how many draft picks that they have.
1: Oh, absolutely! And I'm kind of curious to hear from you, um, especially with a guy like Nikita Zaitsev. Like they they also made a few moves that are kind of even next year, looking forward a little bit towards the NHL level. Like the acquisition of him and the acquisition of Anders Bork. Like I think that both of those guys could potentially be on the roster next season. You can give them some pretty solid looks if you really want to and i don't think that you know either one of them is going to be a franchise making player but at this rate if you can get kind of that like first preview look at some of the guys who could potentially be here in a year or two i think that those are kind of some interesting options especially uh zaitsev as they kind of look to shuffle up their blue line
0: a little bit hey really quick i just thought of this that um, so James, you obviously know that I'm an idiot, right? Uh, so I said something on the, on the podcast, uh, a few, a few episodes ago. I can't remember. It was right after the McCabe Lafferty deal. And I said that, um, the Toronto and Tampa are on a collision course for the first round. And it would actually help the Blackhawks if Toronto eliminated Tampa, because that means their first round pick from the Hagel trade would be higher. That's actually incorrect. The, the, where, where the. Uh, it's it's the the final four essentially the eastern conference final and the western conference final that's when it dictates where wow. everyone will sl- slot in so if so Tampa it goes advances, by record otherwise right correct yeah it goes by record had a massive brain fart and i got kindly pointed that out on twitter um. So shout out to the person that did. Did you
1: record that the first time we did that episode or the second time when you and Pat <laughs> did that episode? Because we actually, had to redo the entire thing.
0: We had to do the entire thing. And unfortunately, you weren't part of the second one. And I actually did mention it on the second one. It wasn't <laughs> even the first one. So here's me thinking I had a really good idea on this. I'm like, oh, I, just, I thought of it on the fly. So And then, yeah. So Not, not
1: on only the, on did you make a stupid comment, you didn't even remember who you made the stupid comments. It wasn't that stupid. Stop it, Charlie. Well... <laughs> as as
0: someone that should know my job is to know
1: sometimes like those sometimes those draft rules get a little funky and sometimes like I don't remember the exact percentages of lottery heck I barely remember half the time like which team can play which team in the playoffs like it's still kind of chaotic and I I do eventually want to pick your brain a little bit on kind of the eastern conference arms race so Get, make sure your brain's getting set for maybe a, a brief touch on that subject.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm,
1: re- I'm, I'm ready.
0: Wait, you actually you actually said something that made me want to potentially modify my my grade from a B to a B plus. Okay. You did bring up the Zaitsev trade. Yes. Can we also lump in the Jason Dickinson deal from earlier in the year? Ah. I don't want to say that... I don't want to say... I mean, this was obviously trade deadline moves, so yeah. maybe I just have to keep it a B, but... The, the Blackhawks basically got two free second rounders for Jason Dickinson and Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah. And James, I don't know if you saw this, but Riley Stillman got shipped to Buffalo last I week, did see that. Or a few days ago. Yeah. The, the Hawks basically got a free second rounder for Riley Stillman, who was a healthy scratch a lot in Vancouver to the Speaking, point where they already, yeah. le- they already shipped them out to Buffalo. Did you see who has the most
1: salary cap money allocated for next season already
0: um who who is the
1: vancouver canucks is it really it really is they i was looking at this the other day like if somebody had mentioned it for next season they currently have i believe it is 16 players under contract already for next season their total cap hit is 83 and a half million dollars they are already over the salary cap for next year
0: they did acquire Philip Kronik and I don't know I don't know what Vancouver's doing. I, have no I mean, yeah, either. <laughs> it, it, it seems like they can't get in unison. Um, with the general manager and the head coach and they're changing the GM, then they're changing the coach again, then they're changing the coach and then they don't have the GM that hired the head coach. I mean, it's just,
1: they still have crazy. Brock Bosser after the deadline. They're going to have to eventually negotiate a new deal with Elias Pettersson. Uh, By the way, D- Detroit already ruining the free agent market signs Dylan Larkin to an eight year extension. So I guess he's not going to be an option. If the Blackhawks want to swing for the fences a little bit this off season, like, What a freaking crazy time in the Eastern Conference right now. Like, there's so many teams making so many moves. You have the Bruins giving up a first-round pick for Tyler Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. You've got the Leafs loading up with Ryan O'Reilly and Jake McCabe. you got the Canes getting Pujarvi and Bear, The Senators getting Jacob Chikrin. Like, what is even going on in the East? Like, who the heck survives that bloodbath that's going to be going on?
0: Well, I was gonna I was actually gonna lead that into our final topic. Where does this rank among NHL trade deadlines in the history? I mean, I was talking to Troy Murray at practice today. He's like, I can't remember seeing anything like this. No. I mean, there there were I think there were forty there were like forty-five trades or forty-one trades. I can't remember I saw the tweet before uh like the week leading into the deadline this year. There were only twenty. Uh, total, like 20 was the max prior to the, like, I mean, it was just wild. It was a double the number. Um, so it made for a very boring trade deadline day, but yeah. I don't care. Cause that, that stuff, that was awesome. All, all that movement, uh, <laughs> but I think it was twofold, James. I think it was teams wanting to make moves, but they needed to move money out first yeah. to make the moves. Right. So it was like, okay, we have, we've agreed to a deal, but we got to go send this contract over here really quick and then we'll make this deal right or there were just there were so many third-party brokers so i thought it was a, a great trade deadline all right james i i said at the beginning that you're gonna keep me in check about my whether i'm coherent or not uh-huh. you want to know who i think the biggest winner was in the eastern conference i would love to hear this the trauma beliefs and they okay. were my they were my preseason pick to to win the stanley cup And I love what they did because they essentially changed the makeup around the edges. Like last year, they were all the star players performed: Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. They were really good against that Tampa series, but it felt like the depth didn't match Tampa. Yeah. This year, I feel like the depth and they were they're a really good defensive team. Like if you don't watch Toronto, it's easy to say, ah, Toronto, they're gonna be a first round exit. They don't defend well, they have high scoring power. No, no, no. Like they're, they're a really good checking team this year, and they play tight defensively. But the 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 players that they brought in, forget about Ryan O'Reilly and the bigger names, but the Sam Laffertys, the Jake McCabe's. The Noah Acharis, the Luke Shens, like they got some sandpaper on that roster. You heard it here first. They're going to beat Tampa in the first round. I think Ooh. they're going to beat. They're going to upset Boston, and they're going to come out of the East. And I'm, I'm, st- I still think I'm going to stick with them to win the Cup. But I think wow. that's my dark horse to to win the Eastern Conference. I.
1: I still do like what the Bruins did. I'm obviously a little bit more hesitant on them just because Taylor Hall, of course, just went on long-term injured reserve for them. I thought that getting Dimitri Orloff and Tyler Bertuzzi were – Two solid additions to a team that's already really good. I think the mojo from re-signing David Pasternak is going to hopefully kind of boost his, uh, you know, mentality a little bit. And he's been obviously an incredible player for them. Um, I do really like the Devils getting Timo Meyer. I thought that was a really smart move by them with with some of the moves, especially that the Maple Leafs and then the Rangers made. I mean, how can you knock the Rangers who are going out and getting Vlad Tarasenko and then going out and getting Patrick Kane? Like they got plans A and B somehow, and they really didn't have to give up that much capital to get either of those guys. So I think that Toronto's a great pick for winner of the deadline. I think they made some really smart moves, and I think that bolstering of the depth, like you said, and especially that McCabe contract at only $2 million a season. I know we've said it a lot on this podcast. You listen to literally any Blackhawks reporter. They will tell you the same thing. Jake McCabe's having a really good season. Like that is a for two million bucks. That is quite frankly a steal for the Maple Leafs to get a defender of his caliber. So I think that's a really good pick. I think the Rangers are right there with them based on the moves that they made. I think that the East is going to be crazy i do have to ask why the heck did the penguins give up a second round pick for mikhail grandlin like can you explain <laughs> that one to me is ron hextall
0: okay does he need help all right well i okay i'm it's funny that you mentioned that because i two of my two of my closest friends we grew up together because they're my neighbors they are diehard penguins fans and we were trying to put into perspective what the penguins were doing because they're like okay they they placed um uh Casper Capon on waivers. He got claimed. They placed someone else on waiver. Or they were trying to. I think they moved Brock McGinn. They were they were trying to move yep. money out, and it was like, oh, okay. Like, what kind of moves are they making? And then they ended up getting Mikhail Gramlin and Dmitry Kulikov. They also and, got oh, Nick Benino too. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like you thought they were clearing this money to make something really big happen, and I think there were. They were reportedly trying to acquire JT Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, it never happened. Uh, so I don't know if that was it was their plan B to to kind of pivot. But yeah, it was. I love it was that just... the dysfunctional Canucks screwed up like the plan of the kind of scatter shot Penguins. That's just okay. so appropriate. How about this, James? All the Eastern Conference teams were making moves. Are you surprised at the lack of moves from the Western Conference teams? Given the West is wide open. Yeah. I mean, you make some, you make some moves and like, if you're Vegas, I know they've got Barbashev and they got Jonathan quick, but it it felt like no, nobody in the West was going big game hunting. It was, and it was, it was weird because man, you get hot, you make a big move. I mean, your path to, to the Western conference final or to the Stanley cup final is not as significant as the path that, Tampa or Toronto or Boston or Carolina, they have to go through in the East. So I thought that, that was a little surprising to me. Well, I mean, teams like the Colorado
1: Avalanche don't really have to, you know, go too crazy adding anybody. I feel like if they can just get healthy, I saw they just put Kale McCarr back on the IR. Like if they can just get some dudes in uniform and get them playing consistently, I feel like that's going to be pretty big for them. I thought maybe a team like Seattle would be a little bit more active at the deadline. I feel like Seattle has been one of the cooler stories in the NHL this season. I know that they. Of course, have got you know some pretty good chemistry and a lot of really well-priced contracts there. I thought maybe they'd make a move potentially toward the deadline. I think the only other team that I really thought was going to go a little bit harder was going to be Vegas, knowing that their window was kind of starting to shut a little bit because the bills are finally coming due on some of those cap hits. I thought Vegas would do a lot more than they ultimately did. And I think adding Jonathan Quick, like, yay, Good for them. (laughs) It felt like so many Western Conference teams were just content to basically take on salary and take additional draft picks. Like not to the extent the Arizona Coyotes did, which I saw somebody comparing what the Coyotes did to what the Blackhawks are doing. And I almost threw my laptop out into the street yesterday when I saw that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I digress. I just I thought it was, like you said, like it is wide open in the West. And I felt like so many teams were focused instead on kind of shuffling around money and acquiring extra draft picks. It just, it really seemed like there could have been, that one team that would have made that big move. I would have thought it would have been potentially Vegas. Seattle came to mind. I think Edmonton tried to be involved in the market a little bit. They didn't really get a lot of traction on anything. What about Dallas, dude? Like Dallas might, they sneakily like adding max Domi, I felt like was a really smart move for that team and really bolsters their forward group. Like that's a team I wouldn't want to be playing them in the playoffs right now. I feel like that's an interesting team out of the West.
0: I was a little surprised that Dallas or not Dallas, Colorado didn't go after Max Domi. I thought that was a pretty good fit because Max yeah, plays you fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they ended up going for Lars Eller, who's he's a solid defensive uh, defensive type player, but he doesn't really have the foot speed that the way Colorado plays. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think Colorado too, Eric Johnson and, Gabriel Landeskog, both of them might not play for the rest yeah. of the regular season. So, Colorado had like $14 million in cap space if they wanted to place both of them on LTIR. <laughs> I think only Landeskog is on LTIR. And I was surprised that they didn't make an additional move, but they're probably thinking uh, all we need is a second line center because once we get healthy, we're better than everyone else, right? That's And I mean, why shouldn't they think that? They pretty much
1: are. They're going to have a ton of interesting uh, decisions to make in the offseason, too. I was looking at their uh, cap-friendly numbers and good grief, man. They've got JT Comfer, Lars Eller, Evan Rodriguez, Andrew Cogliano. They have so many guys who are going to be hitting free agency. And they've, of course, already got so much money laid out in terms of longer term contracts. Like I'm really intrigued to see how Colorado kind of tries to thread that needle. They do have some cap space and they're always good at developing players. But yeah, that seemed to be a spot that they could have potentially landed somebody big and pulled like an Antoine Vermette type move. I am a little bit surprised that they didn't.
0: These next few weeks are going to be incredible. The The playoff stretch The playoffs are going to be so fun in each conference for different reasons. The East is going to be a total bloodbath between all those teams. And then the West is going to be the West is like so wide open that every single series could go either way. So it's going to be fun. Um, James, I got to do this trade deadline show at five 30 and I'm looking at the clock behind you and I don't know how I'm going to stay awake for this thing. Um, (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully I sound uh, just as, coherent as i was on this podcast although i don't even know if i was coherent how, how I'll, would you, I'll let the how listeners
1: decide i thought that you did pretty well um i think that i'll give you a b plus just because you confess to things that i had no idea about i have to ding you a couple of points man. for that and i think that also i will give you credit for being able to kind of line up all the moves that toronto made because they did a lot of wheeling and dealing so i think b plus is good
0: big believer in toronto you heard it here Yep. If, if and they, Hey, the if,
1: Blackhawks, uh, play, uh, some more games too.
0: If they, if they don't get out of the fir- yeah. If they, if they get eliminated in the first round again, just pretend that I didn't say it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't old takes expose me. I will not do that. <laughs> all right, but James, hey, Nashville on Saturday, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I might, I might sleep through morning skate and we'll see. All right. Um, all right, James, good stuff. That'll do it for this edition of the Blackhawks talk podcast for James, Charlie, PB who's getting ready for the trade deadline show, which is why he's not on here because uh, we're probably going to rehash a lot of the topics that we just talked about here on the show. So um, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate us, subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, We'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks talk podcast. You could win big with NBC sports, Chicago and Coors light. Just enter the scratch and score sweepstakes for your chance to win two sweet tickets to a hockey game this season and more. Enter at NBCSportsChicago.com slash sweepstakes.